Welcome everybody. I am Marta Arnaldi, Lamy Research Fellow at the Queen's College, University of Oxford. This fourth episode of Translating COVID-19 features a very special guest, Eivind Engebretsen, who is joining me from Norway. Welcome, Eivind. Thanks. Eivind Engebretsen is Professor of Interdisciplinary Health Sciences at the Institute of Health and Society, University of Oslo. Eivind has recently been elected Vice-Dean of Postgraduate Studies at the Oslo Faculty of Medicine and is the co-founder of Norway's first centre for sustainable healthcare education. Eivind is a truly interdisciplinary scholar and his expertise covers fields such as medical philosophy, evidence-based medicine, knowledge translation and the history of knowledge. Since 2017, Eivind has been a leader for the Oslo-based project The Body in Translation, a transdisciplinary and international endeavor which has established a new field of research at the intersection between translation studies and the medical sciences. I really cannot underline enough the importance and innovation of Eivind's research for the development of an integrated science humanities medicine. I feel very honored to discuss with you today possible paths of translation in the age, in the age of COVID. Eivind, would you like to align for us what the Body in Translation project is and what aspects of this translation-oriented project could help us better understand coronavirus disease? Yes, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to this conversation and for your kind introduction. Well, the basic idea behind the, the Body in Translation project is to try and bridge the gap between concepts of translation in the humanities and in medicine. And of course, you know that translation is a very significant concept uh, in the humanities and also in the social sciences. Uh, but uh, during the last 20 years or so, it has also become a very, very powerful trope in medicine, leading to practices such as translational research and also knowledge translation. But while translation in the social sciences and humanities has become a topos for challenging and theorizing complex entanglements between material bodies, culture, language, there's very little reflection about the processes of, tra of, of translation and meaning making involved in medical knowledge translation. Uh, in the latter case, translation refers to the practice of carrying knowledge across the classical boundary of medicine as a science and medicine as an art. And this process is structured by very standardized procedures and also specific text genres. The gold standard for the medical knowledge translation is the so-called randomized control trial or the RCT through yeah. which intervention uh, for instance, a drug uh, previously uh, tested in a laboratory context is tested on patients by comparing a group that is exposed to, to the drug and, and uh, another group with another group that is not exposed to it. And based on systematic reviews of such RCTs, uh, clinical guidelines are developed 
which provide doctors with so-called evidence-based treatment recommendations. And uh, although this is supposed to be a dynamic exchange between research development and clinical needs, the translational process as such is very linear in the sense that it presupposes that the evidence is first developed through one kind of standardized procedures like the RCTs <clears throat> for only then to be translated into a second kind of standardized procedure, which are the reviews or, or guidelines. So this very standardized conception of translation also undermines the very important aspects of creativity and and interpretation, which are necessarily involved in all translational processes. So in the body and translation project, we wish to challenge these underlying presuppositions through translate, translation theories from humanities and social sciences. And uh, we believe that notions of translation from the humanities can help both tease out and also articulate the complexities involved in in medical knowledge translation. And in the case of, of COVID-19, the problem of this linear concept of knowledge translation becomes obvious because it is simply impossible to separate knowledge production from knowledge translation, simply because we do not have any produced knowledge. Still, we are confronted with an imperative to, to act. We need to translate. Thank you, Ivind. Your rigorous and yet, in a sense, revolutionary answer raises a series of questions about the status and the nature of, of knowledge translation as an exclusively scientific concept. And in an article that has recently appeared on the Journal of Medical Humanities, you and your colleagues state that knowledge translation, that is the translation between the laboratory and society, is a translation, and I quote, between different cultural places, not between universally valid science and the local prejudice of culture, end quote. So what do you think are the limits of this dominant way of thinking and operating that privileges the scientific over the cultural? And how does this medical model impact and affect global health policy at the time of the coronavirus crisis? One obvious limitation is that knowledge is considered non-cultural, while culture is considered non-knowledge. <laughs> and I, I mean this, and this assumption has already been 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 fundamentally questioned within, um, for instance, the the sociology of, of knowledge or science and technology studies. But I think that an equally important and perhaps less acknowledged problem with the medical mo model is its implicit temporality uh, because translation in the medical sense implies a clear distinction between evidence as past and its translation as present and at the same time so to speak evidence when correctly produced has or gains an outside time status by claiming to be universal but it is also brought back into time through the act of translation. And this temporal 
structure fundamentally undermines, I would say, the thickness of time involved both in production of knowledge and translation of knowledge, and also the interdependence of these two modes of knowing. And it also undermines that both acts, both the production and the translation of knowledge, are open towards the future. Both the production and the translation of knowledge are haunted by the uncertainty of times to come. And um, the COVID-19 crisis demonstrates, I think, this temporal paradox of evidence very clearly. Uh, because the evidence in that case is not the path. It is not yet produced at least not in terms of a finalized body of knowledge, an evidence base. Yet we are, as I said, required to act, to translate. And evidence is produced through this act of translation. So the distinction between the moment of production and the moment of translation of knowledge is fundamentally blurred. But still the health authorities seem very eager to define an evidence base outside time, although this, in my opinion, is not neither possible nor productive. Yes, I, I think that you're touching here a very fundamental point. The dominion of time and science, which is evidence-based, over space and translation, which is culturally constructed. And the pandemic has in many ways challenged, if not reversed, this pyramid of power. To give an example, the ongoing debate around the use of face masks in order to limit contagion has disclosed yet another crisis, precisely the crisis of this model of evidence-based medicine, which has been accompanied on top by a sense of skepticism and perhaps even distrust towards the so-called objectivity of science. So I guess my question is, but what is medical evidence? To what extent are we allowed to incorporate the subjectivity of culture into the body of medical knowledge? And can culture be a form of medical intervention in its own right? Well, I think that most pandemic measures such as lockdowns, face masks, as you mentioned, and, and social distancing are fundamentally cultural. And their implementation and success depend, of course, strongly on cultural contexts and practices. But as, for instance, Trish Greenhouse has shown in her recent studies of face masks, when we look for evidence, we tend to, to look beyond culture, especially to RCTs, as I talked about earlier although these RCTs might be completely irrelevant to the problem we intend to solve. For instance, when studies of whether face masks protect the wearer are used as evidence that they do not protect the community, as Trisha shows. So I think that instead we should acknowledge that public health interventions are cultural and that situated knowledge translation is evidence rather than merely transference of evidence. 
Yes, thank you. And perhaps we could even conclude in a sense by saying that the most relativistic and subjective of all arts, translation, can indeed provide a form of medical evidence that is evidence of the change, adaptability and non-dominancy with which I think we should address the mystery of our body. So thank you so much, Eivind, for revealing to us a new fundamental way to conceive of and use translation, both culturally and medically. And thank you for doing this as a scientist and from a scientific standpoint, but in a, at the same time, in a way that celebrates rather than exploits the humanities. And as a medical humanities scholar interested in translation and a former student of medicine myself, I could not feel more honored and inspired by your contribution today. So last but not least, an immense thank you goes to our listeners who have been accompanying and supporting us during the difficult months in which this program has been created, when evidence indeed was but a possibility. So thank you, everyone. Thank you so much.